A Quick Time Out podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Time Out podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm excited to have back on the show leadership coach, podcast host, and author JP Nervum. JP, welcome back. Thanks, Tony. It was just over about a, a year ago now that JP was on the last time. And that time we talked about building culture and his first book, The Culture System. If you haven't listened to that, I'll be sure to link that down in the notes. This time he's back to talk about his newly released book, The Sports Parent Solution Proven Strategies for Transforming Parents from Obstacles to Allies. JP, interesting topic. I know one that is needed in our industry, but uh, how did you particularly kind of come up with this topic? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Even at the college level, I think this is becoming more and more relevant today, right? Um, For me, you know, being a coach, obviously, you know, I've experienced those challenges. And then with the coaches that I work with at the collegiate level and the high school level, we've just had a lot of success in engaging parents and you know, trying to not view them as necessarily a problem or an obstacle uh, to overcome, but as a partner, an ally to work with that then supports the athlete's experience and the team experience. But I, I really, when I was writing the culture system, you know, there's this whole framework around how we establish support and enforce culture. There was so much content around parents that I just pulled it all aside and said, hey, this is going to go into another book. And I had planned to write that a few years down the line, you know, but then just like, Shortly after I published the culture system, completely out of the blue, I got a text from a parent, a former parent um, of of an athlete of mine, and I'd written about in the end of that book, and and it was this kind of this this story goes like the parent ran me off the road with their car, essentially, in this moment of rage and frustration because I had disciplined their 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 son, and um, but this parent just texted to say, hey, this is like seven years after that incident. It wasn't an apology, but it was kind of. It was like, hey, just want to let you know, like. Whenever, you know, my son's sporting experience comes up with my friends, I always say the best coach he ever had was you. And I want to thank you for all you did in his life, but not in just in his life, but how you helped me as a father by your example around how you disciplined, you tough, you were tough on him, but you cared about him. And that helped me to navigate, you know, you know, parenting a teenager. And I was, that was like a mind blowing moment for me. Cause I'm like, wait, <laughs> I don't just have impact on the athletes. I actually can have impact on parents. And so that was like kind of a mind shift and uh, for me. And so also I'm like, all right, I got to start writing this book now. <laughs> it's interesting. I think in this day and age in particular, maybe in the past, you know, you drop the kid off and, and there was some interaction or maybe the only interaction was at the, at the games themselves. But for me, especially as a parent now thinking about things a little bit differently, I want my coach to have an impact well beyond even what I can do, maybe it can be something that reinforces things that I'm teaching or that kind of thing. I, I feel like parents a lot of times just get a bad rap. All we talk about are the negative behaviors that go along with it. And uh, this idea of the of the partnership building. Can you talk even more, a, a little bit more about that, kind of what that should look like? I would guess this is kind of part of the crux of the book, just simply because they're not obstacles. They're, they are somebody that that we should feel like we're going in partnership because we're helping to train and and rear this young person and 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 teach them not just sports skills but also life lessons Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we can dive into some of the strategies in a second here, but I think what's really important before you get into some of the strategies that we've that have been so effective is the heart upon which these leaders that I've worked with have operated with. And that is where we see the parent not as a problem or an obstacle, but we see them as a person, a person with, you know, needs, challenges, and desires just as legitimate as our own. And so it's operating with that outward mindset is what I often call it there is so, so important. And so when we do, when we operate with that outward mindset, we recognize you know, first off, we just we try to get to know them. Like we try to learn about their actual name, not just Johnny or his dad or or, or Billy's mom or, or whatever it is, right? So we try to get to know the person, um, learn their name, learn things about them outside of just you know what's relevant to the sport and coaching their child, right? So when we get to know them as a person, that that can definitely help, and that that starts to set that foundation um, as we move forward, because we also want to know, you know. What are some maybe the, the reasons that they want their child in sport? You know, what are some of the challenges that they're maybe experiencing? Like, th- here's the thing: like, so often, our athletes they don't actually have great relationships with their parents. There's a lot of like, you know, I'm for uh, I haven't parented a teenager yet, but I I've heard the stories. It's not always as easy as we think it is going to be, right? So it's there's some challenges coming down that line. So we, as a coach, and some of the stories I share in the book are like, coaches actually become something that helps the parent and the athlete come together and build a relationship. We've got some college coaches that run different retreats and different experiences like that, that actually help bring families together, which is so important because at the end of the day, do we have a big influence as a coach? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our influence is huge. We're probably in many cases, the second most influential person in that athlete's life, but the most influential in all of our lives is our parents, right? Uh, for better or for worse, right? It's it so often, um, and I was blessed with great parents, right? Absolutely, um, huge impact. But for better or worse, you know, parents are the most influential. So we're really just an extension of whatever's happening at the home. You know, we're trying to support, hopefully, the development and and, and the person that the parents want them to become. In order for that to happen, I'm assuming it's going to require some uh, being proactive, I guess, from the coach's perspective and and having conversations. Can you talk about the conversations that we want to have with parents in order to build that relationship? Yeah, absolutely. So once you kind of got that mindset right, then we kind of go go back to, you know, the framework I I outlined in the culture system of establishing, supporting, and enforcing culture. And so it's the same within parents. How are we establishing those relationships and those standards that, and, and what we're trying to do here from the beginning, this, this can start in the recruitment process from day one. What is really profound. And some of my college coaches are doing this now, and it's really incredible to see this happening. The questions that we're asking parents in the recruiting trips are really transformational. They're at, we're asking questions like, you know, what is what what would be a great experience for your child? How do you hope they will grow? What's really important to you all as a family? You know, those types of things that are really getting them to step back and art, allow the parents to articulate their philosophy. So these types of questions, really deep questions that are really trying to get understand the family's values as you are in that recruiting process. They also then allow you that opportunity to come in and share your values, what's important to you, why you coach, 
what your vision for the program is, is and what your vision for every athlete is, right? And, and kind of how you do things, not just your philosophy, but like, hey, this is how we're going to build relationships here. This is how we build culture. This is how we invest in our athletes. This is how we address mental health stuff, you know, like all these different things, not just, you know, the tactical and technical. And this is how we're going to make your player, you know, your son or your daughter a star, right? Like it's it's more about all, all that culture, your, your system for your culture. So, you know, it's early conversations, recruitment for high school coaches that can be during this, you know, during tryouts, you know, it can be through an email more broadly to everyone because you're maybe not going to have as much time for that, those deep personal connections. Though we have coaches that set up parent-athlete coach conferences, right? They they do this and some do it two, three hours after the first practice of the year or the, one of the first few practices. Some try to span it out over a couple of weeks. Some, I've got coaches that are doing home visits in the summer at the high school level with some of their, 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 their new incoming freshmen or, you know, new players to the varsity team. So everyone's doing this where we're trying to really create opportunities to communicate to the parents collectively and individually some of these things around values and getting allowing them to articulate things as well. Um, but but to that last point you said, it was just the conversations you want to have. Something I really encourage coaches is not just to be about, hey, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to about playing time. I'm not going to. It's okay, whatever. You got your rules of things you don't want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? You know, like when can we hear from the parents? For me, it's like I want to hear when, you know, they're consistently complaining to you or they're frustrated or they're wanting to quit the team. I want to hear when there's something going on, maybe with their mental health. I want to hear when there's something going on at home. That story about that father I told at the beginning, the crazy thing is that he was laid off from work four weeks prior to that. His wife kicked him out of the house three weeks prior to that, and his son wasn't talking to him. Hmm. Like, I don't need to know all the personal details, but it, man, it, that family was going through a rough time. And I had no idea that was going on with that young man's life. So the more we can encourage conversations from parents around things that would actually help us to better support the athlete, you know, the, the better. Just going back to asking the questions, that's probably one of the major things that's changed for me in the last four years of recruiting. Early on, I think so many coaches want to just share or sell their program about how great it is and all the great things that you do. But asking the questions allowed me to, like you said, oh, we do do that. And this is how we do that. So I was able to focus in on the things that were most important for them. And to be honest, it also some of the things that they said were important were things that maybe we hadn't thought about before or hadn't thought about communicating or that we just didn't do, which allowed us to be able to hear feedback from multiple parents. And if multiple parents were saying the same things, man, we should probably start doing this or have this. So it, it almost like refined our program and allowed us to create a better product for not just the student athletes, but also for the parents. So, yeah, super. And, and as a result, a lot of those relationships became stronger with those in, in those initial meetings because we were able to better articulate to each other what we were able to offer and, oh, we have these in common and, oh, we both want to achieve this with your, with your children and that kind of thing. So yeah, some, something simple, but made a huge difference in, in, in how we built relationships early on with parents. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. 
The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, or you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. One of the things that you mentioned in the book is talking about having powerful moments with the parents and, and the, the children and kind of creating those for them. Can you talk about what that is and then also some ideas for, for achieving that? You know, there's obviously laying out that foundation, but the more that you can bring parents occasionally, doesn't be all the time, in, but occasionally into the experience of what it's like to be a part of that team mm-hmm. and they're able to experience the other athletes, they're able to experience the other parents and get to know them and build relationships and connections then the more that those parents can be about the team and what you're trying to achieve. But the further we keep parents away from the team, the harder it is for them to be about the team, right? And it's they're going to be more of just about their son or their daughter. So creating powerful moments looks a lot of different ways. We really try to transform that initial parent meeting, oftentimes the high school level, by including parents in what we call a parent practice, right? Sometimes the players run the practice. Sometimes the coaches running the, the practice, but they're including the parents in, in some drills. And I mean, we do this so many different ways. We do photo shoots, you know, beforehand in the uniforms with the parents, because we want, you know, parents to be able to post those to social media of them with their son or their daughter, you know, like in their uniform, like that's a special moment. So we're just trying to, you know, incorporates into some of those things as well as like when, when teen, when parents are traveling for tournaments, Hey, what are we doing as a team and how can we bring parents into that? I mean, sometimes it's team meals, but I, like I had a ice hockey coach I work with. They went from Canada 10 hours down in North Dakota um, uh, last week. And it's like, Hey, we got a film session on Friday. Some of our parents have probably been communicating from the stands, things that are probably against what we're trying to do from our systems, you know, a tactical approach. So we're going to bring the, you know, the parents to come into that film session so they can understand what we're trying to do in you know tomorrow's game. Other times it's we've been bringing parents into the locker room after the game, you know, big win, big loss. We want them to hear the message that we're communicating to those players. Um, I even had a high school coach last year after a tough loss, brought the parents in, said, hey, come on in, brought them in. He communicated to the team just about how proud he was and then let the parents speak. And that was really powerful for those parents to speak into it. So, so just really out of the box ways of just, hey, What's it like to be a part of this team? Be, hey, join us. You've invested in these kids throughout their entire careers. And as Anson Dorrance, you know, who's won 21 national champions at North Carolina says, he says, I owe the parents. They've helped them become the players they are today. So there is part of me that does owe them something. We at the beginning of the year have done in years past had kind of like a, a parent and with all of our new recruits that come in, have a parent and player like luncheon or more meal that they can all meet together. And that kind of gets, gets things off on a good footing. And, but I also know probably some that are listening to this, heard some of the things that you said and thought to themselves, I would never do that because that would be a boundary that is crossed in my own, like that would never work for my parents or, and maybe they have some work that needs to be done and they're the ones that should be reading the book. But even the idea of, of establishing boundaries with the parents, what are some practical things that you have in regards to that? Yeah. And let me just say one little thing about that, those coaches that are like, there's no way I'm doing that. My thing is, I think we often want our players like to 
to, to take risks and to play with courage, right? Like that's something I think I hear a lot of coaches say is like, Hey, I want you to go out there and like, you know, enjoy yourself, let it go. Just go for it, you know, take some risks. And I think we got to be able to do that as coaches sometimes too. Like what's the, literally the worst thing that could happen? Really? Like what's the worst thing that can happen, you know, in, in that environment. So when we do so much of this groundwork, then great things actually do sometimes materialize. Now, when it comes to enforcing boundaries, absolutely, you know, there is a boundary. I'm the coach. This is my role, player, player role, parent. They got their role. I think it's really important that coaches work with administrators beginning of the year of like, hey, how do we approach parent issues here? You know, what's our process here? How do we enforce, you know, certain behaviors like a parent, unruly parent in the stands, parent sends a nasty email to a coach. A lot of administrators won't do anything about it. I've got administrators that I've, that we work with and they actually suspend parents from games and say, Hey, you're no longer allowed to meet with the coach because you sent that really nasty text or you made that drunk voicemail, you know, left on there. Like, I mean, just some of the stories are crazy. Right. And, and the reality is that's not the majority of parents, but you still need to know what, how you're going to enforce those boundaries. I, I think one of the biggest thing when it comes to enforcing boundaries of parents though, is just knowing how we can share observations and feedback in a way that is not going to be like throwing fuel onto the, to the fire. When you have a parent that is unhappy, unhappy with their child, unhappy with your coaching, unhappy with the team or where the situation is, it's best to not let that stew because we know what happens in the culture. It becomes toxic. It bleeds into other parents. It bleeds into the athletes. It really can infect the whole team experience. I mean, some of these stories is crazy. So we have to address it. And so how do we address it? One of the best ways is to call that meeting with that parent and what that looks like, whether it's administrator or not. You know, it depends on the situation. But is to have that meeting with the parent and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. You know, your behavior in the stands or this is what I'm hearing. Could be true, not be true, but I'm hearing there's a lot of you're really unhappy about these things. What's true about that? Or what do you think of that? Just asking their opinion on your observations, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, not sharing it as a judgment, you know, be curious, not judgmental, right? Little Ted Lasso here, just come in there and be curious with them. And then let's see what they share. And you know, a lot of times when my coaches have done this, the parents have been like, I'm sorry, you're right. You know, I, I'm just losing my mind here out there. I'm really frustrated. It's really hard to see my son or my daughter not be playing. Other times, you know, they, they brush it off. They, they deny it and those types of things. And then that becomes a place where you can say, hey, well, moving forward, this is our expectation, the program. And this is, you know, what we hope that you can abide by. And are there consequences or not? You know, it depends on your situation, college, high school, youth. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, very, I go into the various ways to approach that in the book. But, yeah, that would be my, my encouragement is just to step and have a hard conversation with that adult. In regards to those hard conversations, I know you've kind of come up with a step process to go through that. Can you can you talk through that that three step process? Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of just when oftentimes parents will want to meet with us, or maybe um, you know the, the the athlete will be unhappy, and you'll need to call a meeting in that situation. I really think the three steps first off is just to ask questions. You know, parent has an issue. Hey what's going on? Tell me what's, you know, allow them to vent. Don't come in there on the defensive. Allow them to articulate their frustrations. Ask follow-up questions. Be genuinely curious. Be naive in that conversation. See what they're seeing. 
under, really truly understand their perspective and share that back with them. Okay, so this is what I'm hearing. This is what you're frustrated about. So you do a really good job of listening is step one, which requires asking questions and summarizing. Step two is to share your perspective, just like I shared with earlier. Share it as, well, this is what we see. Your son, your daughter in practice, day in and day out, we see these type of behaviors. We see this type of performance. This is what we as a coach and staff are looking for, and this is what we're getting. Thus, this is where they are in their lineup. This is where they are here. Or this is why we had to hold them accountable in this way, right? So we're just sharing what we're seeing. Let them sit, sit with that. And then your third piece, outside of sharing your perspective, is support. A lot of times these conversations around playing time or some sort of disciplinary measure, which it may not change. It probably won't change because of this conversation. And so oftentimes you just need to say to the parents, hey, I really appreciate you coming in here and I appreciate you sharing and I appreciate you listening to my perspective. Reality is so-and-so is not going to be a starter tomorrow and not going to be for the foreseeable future or so-and-so is going to have still have to fall through and suffer this consequence. What can we do? coaches and parents here to support them moving forward. So let's get back to partnering together. What can we do to moving forward to support them? And, and that's really in this role, throughout this consequence, through this challenge, through this adversity they're facing, what can we do to support them so they can be the athlete, the best player we, you know, that they can be, and also the person that I know you want them to become. I found the hard part is, is that for them as parents, their perspective is their child and their expectations are the success of their child. And that success is broadly defined. And then you have the coach's perspective and expectations. And he has the team or she has the team that they're trying to develop. And they're, they're accountable also for not just that parent's child, but then for the other 12 or 15 children that are on the team as well. How do you get those two sets of expectations and help them meet or at least allow both sides to see there needs to be at least some bringing together of those? Otherwise, you're going to get a major clash of expectations. So often it's just naming what you just named, right? From the beginning of the year, I have this process for making playing time decisions and roles. This is our process. This is how we will communicate it to the athlete. This is how we will support them in that. You're probably not going to agree with all my decisions. I'm not going to make every decision perfect. I'm doing the best I can with the information that I have. My information is different than your information. I don't expect you to agree with every decision. I hope you can understand. And so when you come with these conversations, just drop the expectation that we're going to agree at the end of the day. Hey, we're probably not going to agree, but this is our perspective. And I can hope you understand from our perspective, what we see is, your son can't shoot a lick. <laughs> we need our shooting guards to shoot, right? He's shooting down here, right? And what we see in practice is this, right? Definitely not going to agree, but I, I hope you can understand that, this, that we're doing the best we can with information and just drop the expectation that there's going to be any agreements at all. Have you found effective communication, conversations, that kind of thing? through the season? What does that look like? I feel like a lot of coaches, maybe there's that uh, preseason meeting with the parents and then like, that's the end of it. But I'm assuming that if you're going to have a, a relationship that's not confrontational or, or at mm -hmm. some point during the season end up with a confrontational meeting, there has to be communication throughout as well. Yeah. Here's the thing that I really recommend all my coaches do that I work with. Every time you have a one-on-one -on -one with an athlete, and my coaches are typically having these every four to six weeks, a formal 10, 15, 20-minute one-on-one. 
and sometimes they're having a lot of informal five minute, you know, two, three, four, five minute conversations after practice, stuff like that. But anytime you have at least a formal one, pull out your phone, call a parent, text a parent, email a parent, and just say, hey, just had a conversation with so-and-so. This is what I really enjoy about coaching them. Thanks for the opportunity to coach them. Hmm. Or maybe if something didn't go well, maybe there was an issue in practice. Maybe there is something that the meet and the meeting didn't go well. It's just like, hey, I'm going to let you know. Just had a conversation. He or she is really struggling. We're here to support them. We know they're not happy in their role. We're here for them. Let me know if you need anything else from us. Hmm. So it's not, but the proactive communication, especially just like, this is what I really appreciate about your son or daughter. Thank you for allowing me to coach them. Thanks for your support. That helps to build up this credit. So then when you have these moments where conflict does come up, you've shown that you care about that athlete. Like mm-hmm. you, you've taken that proactive step. And I think that at the end of the day, this, the narrative and the story people tell themselves, the athlete and the coach tell themselves is, well, coach doesn't value me because I'm not playing. Like they see playing time as like, like this currency is like, like, yeah. Oh, if, if they value me, like they, they're paying me a lot of this, this playing time. And so we have to find other ways to show that we value them. We talk a lot about getting players to accept their role. How do you get the parents to accept their kids role? Yeah. Um, that's really can be difficult, but what we have done in a lot of our programs is, is two things I would say that are really, really well. One is in the recruitment selection process, being very, very explicit that everything is earned here, if that's your approach, right? And being very explicit in that this is how we decide playing time and this is how we communicate it, right? So just, just being really explicit in that. The second thing is that we actually have player development plans that the majority of our coaches do, which is a document that is shared between coach and player. And we often allow the parents to see that document every time it's being updated. So every, you know, four or six weeks, you know, every two, couple months, you know, the, the parent is able to see. And on that document, it's got the goals, aspirations. It's got their areas for growth. It's got the player's commitments. It's got what the coaches is doing, you know, things that the coach can do to support them. But it also has their role. And it's just very, very, very clear in that. And transparency is one of the biggest issues, you know, like that that people point to is, well, we don't know what their role is, right? And so we really work with parents to say, hey, this is their role. We're getting transparency. But this, hey, we're meeting with your your son or your daughter, and we're still investing in them. They might be at the bottom of the bench, but we still meet with them, and we're still talking about their growth and their improvement. And it's documented right there. And so that has eliminated a lot of these issues that we saw beforehand because parents didn't before that didn't realize that we were spending so much time with our son or daughter. We have become an analytics driven industry. How much would you advise sharing of stats analytics or anything like that with parents or with players in their conversations? Absolutely. Great question. I think it depends on the coach, you know, um, Anson Dorrance, you know, big inspiration of mine and kind of a friend. He's been on the podcast, my podcast a while as well. And his work at North Carolina, he's developed the competitive cauldron. And I've developed our own competitive cauldron that we've developed for a lot of teams that have implemented where we chart wins and losses in practice. And, you know, that becomes sometimes a data point, you know, when it's done well and it's done effectively that, that we can then turn around and share with parents. Like, we'll see you, your son or daughter is at the end of the bench and they are, 
have the worst win percentage in practice, right? So Dorrance uses that at North Carolina. Um, I, I'm a big fan, a big believer of that. I think when it comes to other data points, I think when you go into those conversations, you can bring out the data. Here's the thing about our game data, though, is that game data, they're like, the parents always have some reason why, right? Well, they're playing too tight because they know you're going to pull them. Or, well, you put them out there and they're all with all, uh, with all the other bad players. So what I, I haven't seen a lot of effective game data being used in those conversations to really alleviate pressure. It seems to almost add more fuel to the fire and the parents seem to rebuke that every time. The practice competitive cauldron, you know, really does speak when, when done well, when we've implemented it with our teams, you know, we got the whole spreadsheet, all of it laid out. Like it really does get straight to the idea of like, we want people that compete in practice. Your son or daughter does it. If people haven't heard of the competitive cauldron, where can they find out more about that? Yeah, you can go on my website at tocculture.com and under online courses, we have a whole like online course and a spreadsheet that comes with it that they can implement it. I mean, it's just, it was a game changer for me. I, I actually came from, I was coaching high school basketball in Tennessee. And I remember watching Will Wade when he was at UT Chattanooga. And I used to do like conditioning for losers. And then I was like, oh, like he's not doing conditioning in, in, in practice. And then his his trainer was like, oh, they, they do it after. And I was like, oh. So I started to realize how I was wasting time conditioning. And then I was like, wait. And then I went beyond that. I was like, man, like why am I making kids run when running the conditioning is supposed to be good for them? I thought I sent the wrong messages. So we tried to make more of a positive reward system. We made it very behavioral based. Mm. And then I was just like, you know what? Like one of my core three core values is competition. As like, I just, well, there's some, there's parts of our practice, not the entire part of the practice, but we want to be in a performance zone, whatever, 30, 40, 50% of the time within a practice. And I just care who's winning. Like I just, I want guys that want to go out and win. And I know there's some people in basketball are like, oh, well, you know, you're teaching the wrong things, but like, I, I well, okay, I use constraint leds approach and all that stuff, but bottom line is I just want a dude that wants to go out there and win. And there's just something to be said for a dude that just wants to win. So I wanted that type of environment. I sacrificed probably quality of instruction at times, but that's how we ended up developing it. And and, and we've used it now. And I think over 300, 400 programs have implemented it. In regards to my original question, the thing that has helped with us practicing that way is that I do have data outside of the games because I know that not everybody's going to get a lot of not everybody's going to get equal minutes and there are going to be legitimate rebuttals like the ones that you just mentioned, but I can go to a kid and say, you know, we've kept stats about how well you've shot and you can't shoot. So anyways, so it's helped. Um, last question that I have for you here. What, what's one big takeaway? I'm sure there's multiple, but what's one big takeaway you're hoping that coaches will get from this book. If you truly care about your athletes, you will, not build walls with their parents, you will engage the parents. And I, I really mean that. I think, uh, you know, just the mental health stuff is obviously a big, big issue right now. And it's just not a week goes by that one of my coaches isn't having a player that's having some serious issues, that's not being checked into treatment, quitting the sport because of mental health issues or just something's come up there. And there's just been, that has obviously been a big pain point. I don't think we as coaches can truly address effectively support athletes in their mental health or support their growth as people if we don't engage the most important person in their life mm -hmm. if we build walls you know or do we really care you know and i know it's scary and i know we've all been burnt i mean i've had plenty of my stories 
personal. I've had so many coaches. I've had to walk with them through some really horrifying situations where there's been nasty parents. But you know what? Walls don't keep those types of parents out. They don't. No, those parents are still going to be there regardless of how high we build those walls. Right. So we better, we, we're better off building bridges and, and partnerships. There's so many coaches out there. I think all of them say we, we're a family here. And I think that if you're going to truly be a family, then you're part of that is going to involve you bringing in the parents, not just the kids that you're working with. Because if you actually have a goal of growing those young people into men and women, you're going to need the support of the parents and you're going, you're a support to the parents. It's not your rodeo. It's, it's, it's theirs. So yeah, I, I totally agree with everything. I'm looking forward to, to reading the book here, uh, but before I let you go, where, where, if people don't know where they can connect with you, but then also where can they purchase the book? Yeah. I mean, purchase the book where I think a large portion of us purchase our books, which is at Amazon. So just type in the sports parent solution. And you can get it there. You can also go to my website, tocculture.com. And there's links there. There's more information. There's some uh, downloadable reading guide for like a book. If you want to have a book club with some other coaches, there's a checklist that we have for making sure you're knocking all the really important things down uh, throughout the course of the year. Big fan of checklists. So yeah, check it out there is at tocculture.com. Awesome. That's JP Nurban. And one last time, the book is The Sports Parent Solution, available now on Amazon. JP, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Tony, thanks for having me back on, man. I appreciate that opportunity.